I want to begin with a prayer, and, and I've asked, uh, I've asked uh, uh, the guys in the back to, to record this because I want to pray for, thank God for our country. I want to ask God to bless our time here together, and I want to pray for, um, for some of our troops, all of our troops. We just happen to have some who listen every week uh, to, our, uh, to, our, to our website and listen to the, the message. Normally, we don't have the welcome on the message. This week, we're going to try to put the welcome on the message so they can hear us praying for them. So I want to do that this morning. And, uh, and let's just stand with me, if you would. And let's just, uh, let me just pray and thank God for uh, our country and ask him to bless our time and pray for our troops. Lord God, we are grateful that we can be here today to just have the freedom just, just to walk in here. Nobody asks any questions. Nobody say, what are you doing there? Nobody trying to restrict our freedom in any way. Hard to imagine that there are many, many places in our world today that can't do that. We take that freedom for granted. But Lord, we thank you for it, for we know it comes from you. We pray for those right now who represent our country and other countries seeking to bring freedom to oppressed people. We pray for them. We ask God that you'd bless them. We ask that you'd protect them. We ask that you'd give them a special measure of grace as they deal with circumstances that most of us can't even imagine. We pray for each one of those men and women, especially for those we know of here that are a part of our, uh, of our, our group. And God, for our time here this morning, we again thank you for it. And we ask that you'd be honored by it and you'd bless it. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Freedom. And I'll tell you, that's, when we talk about freedom, and, and, and you know I, I want to do something, those of you who know me know I, I want to do something on 4th of July weekend about freedom. And uh, I want to talk about freedom in our land and in our lives. And I want to begin by just talking about this, this, this freedom quest. You know, there's, there's, just, there's a quest for freedom that has, that has transcended mankind when you think about it. One of our former Supreme Court justices, William Brennan, said it this way, the quest for freedom, dignity, and the rights of man will never end. I think that's just really a great statement. I think it's a very true statement. Um, that's because there are never a shortage of people who want to have control over us. Whether we're talking about another nation, another country, or whether we're talking about another person in, that I'm in a relationship with or maybe a person that I work with or work for or even that works for me. seems to transcend all those kinds of things. Um, there will never be a shortage of people who will want to have control over others. There will always be plenty of them there. Now just think through history just for a moment. I'm going to do a history lesson here but let's just real quick think, think through it. 500 B.C. Circa 500 B.C. There was this guy by the name of Moses. And what was his cry? Let my people go. We want freedom. To Egypt, who, who had enslaved them. Um, now, skip several hundred years later. We're going to skip around some different places in history. Uh, 1776, there was another guy. Who you want to use? I use John Adams. Um... One, if you're around me around the 4th of July, one of the questions, and those of you who know me really get tired and get annoyed by this, and I just really don't care. Um, and, and one of my questions always is, who's your favorite founding father? 
And, you know, I can always tell the people who are unenlightened because it's like, oh, George Washington, George Washington, George Washington, oh, George, yeah. Um, and that's fine. I mean, if, you, if it's been studied through and you like George, that's great. But, I mean, you know, that's a dead giveaway. Just let me tell you that, okay? Um, and then my next question is, who's your least favorite founder? I have an answer to that, too. You don't need to hear that. But I have an answer to that, too. So, I don't know, just kind of get prepped for that, and we can talk about that some other time. But let me, let's talk 1776, John Adams, really leading, leading the cause in the, in the view of many historians. And as I was talking with... Uh, with Norbert about it this morning, I said, you know, if you want the classic work on John Adams, it's by David McCullough, and I'm not trying to sell books here, but it's a great book, and it's one that if you care anything about history, you've got to read that. But, but let me just, when we talk about man's quest for freedom, let me tell you this, just since it's Fourth of July weekend, indulge me a moment here on this, okay? We're going to go some other places in a second. But, but the, the significant date to me, and I learned this when I did a tour of, uh, of Philly and the, and the, and the you know, the whole, the Freedom uh, Trail, that's in Boston, but the whole thing in, in Philly with the, the courthouse where the first and second constitutional conventions were and so forth. And I learned this there, and, and this is something I've read about since many times. But the significant date to me for freedom in our country is March 4th, 1797. Say, okay, it's stretching me here. March 4th, 1797 was the inauguration um, of the first and only term of President John Adams. Do you realize that happened in Philadelphia, PA? Do you realize this is significant? This is huge. Do you realize that on March the 4th, 1797, for the first time in the history of the world, get this, for the first time in the history of the world, there was a peaceful transfer of power without military taking over or without the person taking power being related to the person who was leaving power. First time in history that ever happened. President Washington, of course, was the conquering general of those nasty old Brits. Sorry, we have a few here. I love you. Um, George, uh, George Washington was the conquering general after eight years. He was, a, he was a national hero. He had to be the president, commander of the army. John Adams was not. He was just a farmer turned lawyer from Braintree, Massachusetts, and, and uh, poor guy. Never really got much money, but he just wanted freedom for himself and for his country. You look through history. You go back. Uh, you, you, keep, you, go, you talk about Abraham Lincoln and freedom for some other people just because they happen to have a different color. You think of William Wilberforce. Great book. By the way, you'll hear about it. Uh, those of you who, uh, who have been with us before, uh, one of our... Uh, He's only spoken once, but he's going to be one of our regular speakers here. And, and uh, when I'm not speaking is, uh, is Eric Metaxas, who hosts Socrates in the City. And he's in the process of writing a new book. And he blew me off this week because of it, as a matter of fact, on William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was the person who, who, who literally ramrodded, made, it, made, made the abolition of slavery happen in England. 1833, which was just a few years before it finally became the issue that it needed to be in our country, and then we, in time, followed suit. William Wilberforce, you know, the, 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 he, he was committed to freedom for people who didn't have it at the time. By the way, it was like a 60-some-year quest. You know that 1833, um, July 29th, that abolition of slavery passed through Parliament. King signed off on it. Do you know that within 31 days, a month later, William Wilberforce died? It was like his life quest. 
He was in his 80s, but I mean, it was his life quest. So, great book coming out. Eric, I mentioned Eric. Eric's writing a great book about him. It's coming out next year, so he'll tell you more about that. Mankind has always yearned for freedom. From the Old Testament, you go through all the, all the Middle Age times, all the wars that have taken place. Sure, some for land, some for women, some for men, some for this. But oftentimes, it's always about freedom. I don't want to be oppressed. I don't want to be, you know, held down. God created us as free moral agents. And you need to understand that the desires and the quest for freedom, if I could put it in this terminology, is part of our human hard drive. The way that God, that, that God instilled that in us at creation. That's not just something that... I'm, yeah, it can, be, it can be pushed down. It can be squelched. It can be silenced. It can be beaten down physically and and emotionally. And it can be buried in the inner resources of our being. But it's still there. It's part of our hard drive, to put it in our terminology. That quest for freedom. From the very beginning of mankind to where we are now. That's freedom's quest. I want to talk about freedom one. If there should be... um, it should be no surprise to, to men that men will fight for their God-given right to be free. We've seen that. We see that happening all over the world today. Um, you know, where they may, they may do that to experience such basic liberties as life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Men want that freedom, and they, and they, and they, and they win that freedom sometimes. Of course, that's what we celebrate this weekend. I always like to talk about this a little bit. Um, there have been moments when freedom has been won. And here's an example. And if you get this every year from me, it's okay. Every 4th of July. Here it goes again. 230 years ago, 1776, France was ruled by a king. China was ruled by an emperor. Russia by an empress. Great Britain was a constitutional monarchy. Japan was ruled by a shogun. There was, at the same time, a tiny colony with 13 smaller states on the eastern coast of North America that had just begun. And you know what? (laughs) Today, 230 years later, of all the countries in the world, there's only one with the same government. God bless America. Every now and then we see freedom won. It's a great celebration. That's why we celebrate the 4th of July. And it's, it's a great thing. But now I want to talk about something else that goes right along with that. I could, you know, I, those of you who know me know I could, I could get going on all that kind of stuff. I really love reading that stuff and read a lot about it. Yeah, it's a different kind of freedom. Let me just add this in here very quickly. It's a different kind of freedom in America. You know, when you think about all the wars that were fought, it was this, it was this person against this person for, for that person or for that land or, or for this. In our case, what was it about? It was about freedom. What was it about? It was about predominantly, if you recall, if you recall your history, as it began, the, way, the reason that our country was settled. Freedom of what? Religion. That's where it started. Isn't that Interesting. How many, you know, not many, now there are many countries that are started because people want to practice their religion, and then they make that the religion of the country. There aren't many countries in the world 
that were started, if any, that were started strictly for the practice of the freedom of religion. Not just to be, not granted, I understand and I know history, most of those people were, were quote-unquote Christian. Okay? Um, but that was the point of freedom, was freedom, of, freedom for all, freedom to choose. That's why we don't have a state church. Like they, they, he who came out of England had a state church, Church of England. We talk about separation of the church and state. What are, we can argue about what that means, what that doesn't mean. Our founding fathers, we know, which stated, they said free, uh, separation of the church and state means that the state will not endorse a church or a particular denomination. It wasn't you shouldn't talk about God. They will not endorse a church. And you know, and you know here's the interesting thing. All right, can I confess something to you? Um, some of you aren't going to like me too much for this, but pray for me. Um, I did something this week that was very interesting. Uh, we had some friends, some good friends of ours invited us to celebrate with them at a concert. Um, some of you know what it is, a Madonna concert. Okay, don't throw your hymn books, okay? We don't have hymn books, do we? Okay, don't... Don't throw anything at me. It was the Madonna concert, okay? And, and, um, and, and, you know, I know a little bit of most of the music that I know of is a long, long time ago, and they're good friends, and, and it was in a private box, and it was just kind of fun. And so we went. But before I went, that afternoon, I was in my Midtown office. I have a Midtown office now. I just want you to know that. And um, <laughs> I do. I do. Raise your hand in the blue, right? Just raise your hand. He'll see you about it. I've got a Midtown office. So I was in my Midtown office working and uh, doing some research. And, um, um, and somebody said something to me about, just in passing, about, you know, what's her religion? And, I, and somebody said, uh, isn't it Kabula or Kabbalah? It's Kabbalah, excuse me. Kabbalah, is that right? Okay, thanks. Uh, I'll make sure I'm getting the right pronunciation here. So I think, okay, I don't know about this, this stuff. So I did the whole internet search on Kabbalah. What is it? And I, you won't very often say, you won't very often hear me say this about any religion, but I mean, it, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, I, it's just, you read it. You go home and read it. You do the search. You make up your own mind. I mean, it's just, you know, whenever, you know, it's, it's basically the belief that you can't believe anything. That's something, what it, that's something along those lines. In fact, Britney Spears used to kind of go along with it, and apparently her and Madonna now had a breakup because Britney dropped being a, being a Kabbalahist or whatever, and um, a Kabbalahist. And um, sounds like Christians, doesn't it? Uh, it uh, anyway, here's my point. I don't have much respect for Kabbalah. I respect people. But I would fight for the right for a person to worship or to, or, or, or to practice their faith, whether it's Kabbalah or something else that, I'm, that I personally may think is crazy. You know, as long as it's not harming people, and it's what they want to believe. That's what how America was founded. That's a totally different deal. Totally different deal than other places. So freedom has been won. But here's the problem now. We've got to get to the problem, and I'm sorry about this. We've got to get to the problem. So we got this freedom quest, we have freedom won, and then we do this whole thing, freedom surrendered. Here's the issue that I want you to see. From all the, for all the blood, sweat, and tears we go through to gain freedom, why do we so easily surrender it to addictions? I want to talk about that. Jesus talked about that. I got a long introduction, a short sermon, okay? And this is it right here. Short message. We don't use the word sermon here. Um, John chapter 8, Jesus is talking about this. Now, watch what he says. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, 
You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone on earth. What do you mean, set free? Jesus replied. I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. The message translation of that passage, verse 34 says, Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is, in fact, a slave. Have you ever said, have you ever thought, I can't help it, I just can't help it? And, and, and interesting point about this passage, did you see that part back? Uh, go back one. You see that part back where you, <laughs> this is just a great line, verse 33. But we are descendants of Abraham, these, these, these people said. We have never been slave to anyone on earth. Do you know the history? I mean, I'm sitting here when I read this and you're like, are you guys on crack? I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, look, think about this. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Babylonia, Persia, Greece. At the current time, who was in charge? Rome. Well, we never been enslaved to anybody. Really? What do you call this? Isn't that interesting? That somebody could be in bondage in such a very clear way and not even know it. Or at least realize it. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't happen today, does it? No. Of course it does. What are, what are some of those things? I have a list. And got the list off different places. And it's not a complete list. But we'll just... The obvious drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sexual addiction... Not so obvious sometimes, work addiction, anger addiction, addiction being anything that I just can't break. It's just, a, it's just a pattern that I can't break. That's the definition we're going to use for our purposes. Anger addiction, can't help it. When you do that, I just fly off the hand. I can't help it. I can't help it. Perfectionist addiction. Busyness addiction? Is that an addiction? Not a chemical addiction. Well, might be if you get into some of the more minute details, but is 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 it an addiction? I can't help it. That's how I'm going to define it. Gambling addiction. Performance addiction. I have to look a certain way. I have to do certain things to look like the good little Christian boy or girl that I'm supposed to be or just the good little boy or girl that I'm supposed to be. People addiction? Can I be addicted to people? Would that be called codependency depending on, uh, on how you define that? National Health uh, Society website defines that as, uh, at least in part of their definition, uh, it defines that as, a, as an unhealthy relationship of which you can't let go of. I've heard two things this last, last couple of weeks, last few weeks, that bother me greatly. And, and, and in one case, it was meant in a negative way. And actually, in both cases were meant to be positive. 
and it was in a husband and wife type setting. And it was in, there, in, in that type of a setting. And, and, and it was like, but the question is not, and this was what was stated, the question is not, can I live with you the rest of my life? The, the question is, can I live without you? I can't live without you. And that bothered me a little bit. Because don't misunderstand, I've been married almost in October 35 years. And I love my wife dearly. We have an incredible marriage, and we have so much fun together. And, and if anything ever happened to her, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd get depression, and I would go crazy, and I would probably, you know, live out my years on the golf course or something. I don't know. And um, and I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. Um, and uh, my point is this: I hope that if something were to happen to her, or something were to happen to me, that we could live without each other. Because if we couldn't, what would that say about us as individuals? That can be an addiction, something so positive. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a terrible thing, a terrible place to be, people addiction. Let me just add to that one last little addiction for our purposes. People-pleasing addiction. That's a horrible way to live. I've known a lot of those people. Some might be here this morning. And you're just subject to every whim and fancy of another, maybe just one individual, but you're subject to their whim and fancy, their moods. And all your world is dependent upon that. Hey, God's setting you free from that kind of stuff. Be sensitive to them, be compassionate to them, pray for them, but move on with your life with you and God. Why? Because you were created with a hard drive by God as a free moral agent to want and enjoy freedom in every way. You know, an addiction of any kind becomes damaging when it starts causing hurt to others and keeps you from functioning in a manner that is productive and true to who you are and how you're wired. God gives us freedom. Jesus says... You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And these are guys, ah, and he's saying, listen. Anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is in fact a slave. So how does the truth set us free? Really two ways. Awareness, a knowledge of who we are and what we are and of our, of our condition, of our fallen condition, all of us. And by God's Spirit working inside of us, an ability to, to become more aware. Sometimes we need some help to, be, to become more aware from a friend or maybe a therapist or, or maybe just a little time or some things happen in our lives to make us more aware. But, but in, in the end, I believe it's God's Spirit working in us that helps us be aware. That's why, that's why the truth can set us free. Because by God's power, and I don't know that we could do it any other way. By God's power, we'll be, well, wait, wait, I'm able to realize through His power, wait, look at me. Look at my self-centeredness here. Look at my tendencies here. Look at what I'm doing here. I don't, we can get in such a hardcore, destructive pattern of life that we can miss that were it not for the working of God and His Spirit in us. That's one way that He sets us free. And the other is the obvious one, just the ability, the internal horsepower to call upon something and someone greater than yourself to overcome these actions. 
and to overcome these attitudes. And that's God. That's why we so all desperately need a relationship with God. That's why Jesus came. And you know, I've, seen, I've been privileged in, in, my, in my line of work over the years to see people who have been set free from some things where it has literally changed their countenance. Remember one guy, I mean, in his, this may not seem like a major deal to you, but to him it was smoking. Wanted to quit smoking. I've never been much of a smoker. I've smoked a cigar or two and threw up, so I didn't like it. But I mean, the, the uh, no, not literally, but I felt like it. Um, but for him, it was just, just, you know, I don't know if you've ever had, maybe it's not smoking, but something like that just held on to you. I remember how he started reading some of these verses and he started just asking God to help him and, and over and it didn't happen overnight. But over a process, boom, and I remember the countenance on his face today, it had been several days, and he said, I can't tell you how free I feel. Now for you it may be something totally different. I don't know. Or maybe it's your friend. Or maybe it's something you're going to have to deal with in the future. But the point being, and I don't want you to miss it, and that is real simple, and that is God made us and gives us the ability to live a life of freedom. Freedom from destructive addictions that can hurt me and will hurt others. And the answer to that may come through a whole lot of different processes, but the answer in the bottom line comes in a relationship with God. And that's why Jesus came, to make that possible. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask the band to come, come up and let's pray. God, thank you so much for the truths that we are able to see here and for the ability to be able just to, to get our, our, our mind around these things. To be able to allow the Spirit of God to work in our hearts and work in our lives and and maybe even to do some inventory, some personal inventory, with the help of, of the Spirit of God working in us. And for some, that's where it's going to begin. For some of us, it's going to begin by just saying, God, I need you. I need a relationship with you. And I want to begin that now. Wherever each person might be, God, I pray that we would be um, especially aware of who you are and what you are doing in all our lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.